0: Our reading today from the Holy Gospel, according to the witness of Matthew, the 28th chapter, uh, this reading begins at verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Brothers and sisters, this is the gospel of our Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, Earlier this morning, a member of our fellowship uh, saw the announcement that Kirsten and my family put in about the birthday boy, and then the uh, sermon topic in times, and she came up to comfort me, saying, Oh, Bruce, cheer up. Turning 60 is not the end of the world. And I assured her that my sermon has nothing to do with turning 60. I'm glad to hit the big 60. Really, I am. And for those of you who know what was going on with my health about four years ago, I'm praising God I can walk up here and worship with you. I'm not in a wheelchair, and uh, I'm alive, and I have gathered with many of you for memorial services and funeral services for people who didn't make it to a 30th, 40th, 50th, even a 60th birthday. So rest assured, I am celebrating the gift of life as I hit this milestone. And um, I look forward to turning 70, but not too soon. I want you to go back with me. In time to the early years of our nation, to the year 1780. And I want you to think of New England in the springtime. And that year in New England, spring was a little different. For two weeks in the month of May, the skies were becoming increasingly darker and darker. Many people had difficulty conducting their daily business, their daily responsibilities. Many Christians who lived in that part of the world, Uh, most of them Puritans, thought that these darkening days were the sign of God's anger and judgment, and then surely, surely the world was about to come to an end. And you can check this out on your own. Uh, In Connecticut, they still refer to the 19th of May as Connecticut's dark day. It was a Friday. The General Assembly was in session They had started their morning deliberations. And in the chamber of the State House in Hartford, it seemed like midnight. People came in from the streets saying, the sky is now totally black. It's as black as midnight. Birds had stopped singing. It was just silent. And to many of those legislators, it appeared that the end was at hand. The second coming of Christ was upon them. Among those legislators was one Abraham Davenport... He served as a counselor to the king when Connecticut was a colony, one of the original 13 colonies, and now that Connecticut had become a state in our young nation, he was elected to serve in government as a legislator. He was known as a wise man, an intelligent man, a man of deep faith and strong personal integrity. When everything got so dark that Friday, some of the other legislators began to panic and weep and cry. Some were calling out for the session to be adjourned, you know, because you couldn't run out until the session was adjourned because they wanted to go home and be with their loved ones for what they thought was their final moments on earth. And that's when Davenport, historians tell us, stood up and in a loud yet strong and even calm voice, he said, I am against adjournment. The day of judgment is either approaching or it is not. If it is not, there is no cause for adjournment. If it is, I choose to be found doing my duty. I wish, therefore, that candles may be brought in. And that settled it. Candles were carried in. Their light dispelled the gloom of that strange dark day. Uh, The legislators continued their work. Uh, That Friday, they were deliberating and amending a bill that had to do with the growing fishing industry. And over time, the dark skies over Connecticut cleared, and the familiar sunshine of springtime finally returned. Interestingly enough, uh, many, many years later, scientists were examining tree rings in Canada And those tree rings gave indication that a horrific forest fire took place that spring of 1780. And many think the smoke from that terrible fire was the culprit, the cause, of Connecticut's darkest day. That was then. This is now. Even so, I think there's an important lesson for Christians today from that story in our nation's past. Rather than fearing the future or dreading what is to come... I think we're called to be faithful in doing our duties every day until Christ returns. Instead of listening to and fearing what the latest self-proclaimed prophets have to say about end times, people of real faith, authentic Christian faith, need to remember what Jesus has said about such things. Those who follow Christ know that we are not to be afraid of his return. The end of history as we mark it and measure it I think we need to be more like Abraham Davenport and less like the fearmongers who rise up every so often how many of you remember what took place this past summer on August 21st just say it out loud the solar eclipse did you know that many people thought this was the end of the world there were even pastors preaching that the sun was hidden by the moon that day but the world didn't end did it As I mentioned during announcements, I was in Branson, Missouri, on Saturday, September 23rd, to officiate at the wedding of William Thoreau, who was in fifth grade when I started my ministry here. He's now a man, a big man, and he's a husband, and it was my honor to stand with William and his bride, Victoria, 36 miles out of Branson in the hill country on a mountain called Prayer Mountain as they exchanged their vows, but earlier that day, before the sun came up, I took a pre-dawn hike by the white river when most of the tourists were still asleep and if you have turned 60 and want to feel like a kid just go to Branson you'll feel really young (laughs) had all these people when I was walking back into town saying good morning young man I loved it but when I made my way back into town several people had gathered at some of the major intersections and and I, I I think they were Christians and they were holding up signs about God's judgment. And one of them said, Planet X is God's judgment. The end is at hand. Did you know that Planet X was supposed to crash into Earth that Saturday? The very Saturday that William and Victoria planned their wedding? Well, it didn't happen. And David Mead, the self-published author whose book about Planet X sold thousands of copies is now doing what so many like him before have done. He's recalculating his numbers. And I don't doubt that he will publish another book on down the road, making a few more dollars, and probably scaring a few more people in the process. One of the ways in which people of God face the future, not fearfully but faithfully, is remembering the words of Christ in this great commission. That's... What well, Matthew 28, those ending verses, is often referred to a commission, a mission together, a work that we're to do, an assignment, if you will, from our commander, our king. Jesus tells us what we're supposed to be doing nonstop until the close of the age. We make disciples, we lead people to Christ, we baptize them, we teach them what the Lord taught, we help people live the Jesus way. And we're to do this faithfully to the very end, when earthquakes shake the ground, when landslides and forest fires and hurricanes occur. Yes, even when mass shootings and terrorist attacks take place, we are to be found faithful. Jesus said, I'm with you. I am with you always to the close of the age. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm not going anywhere, I'm not going to abandon you, I won't leave you, I'm with you now. I'm with you when you laugh out loud with joy that is abundant, and I'm with you when, you heart, when your heart feels like it's breaking. I'll be with you when human history comes to a close. I am with you now, I'm with you forever, you have nothing to fear. But many people, and even people today... Think that the world is surely coming to an end, and it's going to happen now. Many people throughout the centuries thought the world was surely coming to a close in their lifetime. Some have gone so far as to predict the exact year and month and day. And thus far, they've all been incorrect. No one knows the day. Christ said so himself. Our reading today is from Matthew 28. Back up just a few chapters to the 24th. Jesus said, about that day and hour, no one knows... The angels of heaven don't know, only the Father. Keep awake, therefore. You don't know when the Lord's coming. Just be ready. The Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Well, yes, there will be an end to the world, as we know it. But when that happens, is none of our business. We're not to know. Jesus just says, stay alert. Be awake. Make ready. What does that mean? How do you stay alert? How do you make ready? How do you be prepared? Which is not just a good Boy Scout motto. First of all, it means, really, and truly, and seriously, that we take the second coming of Christ seriously. It's going to happen. And when we say in the creed, he will come again to judge the living and the dead. We're not just mumbling some tired old words that the church has been reciting once a week. He will come again. There will be judgment. And no one gets out of this judgment. It includes the living and the dead. That's anyone who's ever lived and those who are living at the time of his appearance. Secondly, Jesus says, Be ready. But being ready doesn't mean that you're hunkering down in your bunker, you know, listening to announcements from somebody up there on top about all the hell that's breaking loose. We're to be ready by doing the work Christ has assigned us. We have a mission. We have a purpose. We're to be doing what Jesus said to do in Matthew 28. Yes, we're to anticipate the second coming of Christ... But we anticipate that by serving with a calm, not arrogant, but confident faith. Understanding what mature Christians understand from the word of God about the second coming. We're not to set times and dates. But we're to live our lives as if that could happen any moment. We are to be at work when Jesus returns and this work is making disciples it's helping those in need it's loving others as Christ first loved us it's speaking up and defending the powerless and it is boldly and unapologetically standing against anything and everything that is evil that's what we can do until Christ appears back in the 70's when I was in junior high and high school. Many people thought the world was coming to an end, and it wasn't because they thought this up themselves. Some of my classmates decided my senior year not to take their college boards. They skipped the ACT and SAT exams because they were convinced it didn't matter. Why think about college? Why think about living in the future? Why think about learning a trade? Why do any of that? The world's going to end. Just got to get ready to meet Jesus. And some of these classmates of mine were what we called then Jesus freaks. They carried Bibles everywhere they went. They were very zealous in their faith. They were not shy about talking of Jesus. And they wore wooden crosses outside their blouses and shirts with leather necklaces. They were very serious about their faith. Unfortunately, they were following the predictions of one Hal Lindsey... How many of you will admit to buying the book, The Late Great Planet Earth? I had my copy. I read it four or five times. By the end of the 70s, Lindsay's book had reached a record 9 million copies sold. And in the early 80s, he sold another 19 million. And in that book, he predicted that imminently the Soviet Union, and if you're too young to know what the Soviet Union is, ask your parents the Soviet Union, the USSR, and the United States would be drawn into a global conflict re- regolded, resulting in Armageddon, a nuclear holocaust. Well, the end did not come as he predicted. And to my knowledge, how Lindsey has not made an offer to refund the millions of dollars that people spent making him a wealthy man. Fast forward more recent times. I had some members of this congregation who were very upset with me. They thought I was just too young and too naive to know better that I wasn't preaching the last few days of 1999 about the coming end of the world at Y2K. Do you remember when people thought the world was going to result in chaos and anarchy when New Year's struck the year 2000? Do you remember? A senior pastor in this community who shall remain nameless was telling people those last months of 1999 to get ready, store your dehydrated food, get your water, get right with the Lord, the end is upon us, the world's going to come to a close. I saw him at an ecumenical gathering shortly before Y2K, and I said to him, so since you're preaching this and teaching this, I assume you've emptied your retirement fund and have given all that money away. And he said, oh no, no. Man's always got to have a plan B. And the sun rose January 1st, and it's been coming up every morning the last 17 and a half years. And then there was all the fuss about the year 2012. Do you remember that one? The Mayan calendar. The solar eclipse this summer, Planet X last month. And a friend of mine on Facebook who lives on the west coast in California told me there's a pastor in his town who believes that the end of the world is near and he's saying so from the pulpit and his proof is the controversy over the national anthem in the NFL. (laughs) And many people in his congregation hope that Jesus waits to return until after the Super Bowl. We can laugh about those things while taking seriously our Lord's promise to come again. And that's not a laughing matter at all. The witness of Holy Scripture puts all the speculation in its place. It is nonsense. The end of the world is not for us to know, nor is the end something for us to fear. Because the end for people of faith is the beginning, the glorious beginning. It was his Christian faith and knowledge of God's word that empowered Abraham Davenport to keep his wits and remain calm when his fellow legislators were acting like a bunch of cowards, panicking. Remember his words. The day of judgment is approaching or it's not. If it's not, we don't stop our work. If it is, I choose to be found doing my duty. In this October month of the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, this is attributed to Martin Luther when asked, What would you do, Dr. Luther, if you knew the world would end tomorrow? And it said that his response was, I would plant an apple tree. Well, that sounds weird, doesn't it? But maybe that was Luther's way of saying, Well, I'm not going to go hide in the shadows and cry and whimper. I'm going to tend the soil. I'm going to care for the earth. I'm going to be a steward of what God's given me. And when Jesus comes again in glory, creation's going to be restored to its original beauty and perfection. Death will be no more. Sickness and disease will be no more. Arthritis in knees will be no more. Praise the Lord. Every tear will be wiped away. That's why the church has said through the ages, Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And we know it could be tonight. It really could. It could be tomorrow. It could be next year. It could be a thousand years from now. We don't know the date and the time. But we do know this Christ said, Don't waste your energy speculating. Don't be fearful. Be faithful. Do your duty. So here are some verses of Scripture that I think are worthy of memorizing and taking to heart for a people of faith in times like these. John 14, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. 2 Timothy for God gave us not a spirit of fearfulness but a spirit of power and love and discipline and Hebrews 13 so we can say with confidence the Lord is my helper I will not be afraid let us pray Lord Jesus, you promised us, you promised us that you would be with us always. The Holy Spirit has sealed us in faith. We've been marked with your cross, a cross that reminds us death and darkness have been defeated. For you are victorious. In times of uncertainty, times of confusion, times of doubt, times of danger, Teach us to trust you and your promise of life and to find our strength in you when we feel weak. Help us to fearlessly seek your will in all things, to do our duty, whatever that might be, each and every day. Lord, whatever difficulties we might be facing now, whatever hardship may come our way in the coming days and weeks and months, we know that we are not alone We are not abandoned. We are not forsaken. You are among us. You are Emmanuel, God, with us. We love you, Lord Jesus. And we know that you love us perfectly and eternally. In your name we pray. Amen.